Go backwards this week, and this is my last uh, um, psalm that I'm going to do here in the psalm series. Next week, we're going to do a little, couple of Christmas things. Okay, inside your bulletin is a handout. You can follow along with me there. And uh, if, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in chair in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you. Okay, that's our gift to you. While you're doing all that, I want to remind you, Christmas Eve, uh, we're going to do two Christmas Eve services, 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. Uh, we keep them pretty short, you know, about 45 minutes. We do them as a family. We have a family worship, and uh, man, it's camp lighting and it's simple and it's a wonderful way to kind of start your Christmas time with your family and so I hope you'll make plans to join us and it's always just a wonderful service to uh, remind us of the great gift of Christmas God's son Jesus Christ okay so uh, you know I love words um, that's kind of what I do you know part of what I do anyway is is making sure I use words well and and this morning uh, we're gonna look at a psalm of lament you know and, and I always say nothing says Christmas like lamenting right so uh, that's what we're gonna do this morning but uh, there, these psalms the psalms of a lament have taught me, a lot about prayer. And, uh, and prayer is an interesting thing. You know, I think a lot of times when we pray, we think we have to use these big flowery words. They're usually in King James English, you know, and, and that's what it means to pray. But one of the things I love about kids when they pray is kids really don't have any inhibitions. You know, they just kind of say what's on their mind and, uh, and it comes out. And so I want to show you a video. These are some prayer, actual prayers of some children uh, as they wrote them down to God. Look at this. Hey, let's end on that difficult thought. So anyway, um, yeah, we're going to address that maybe. So anyway, you know, prayers of kids, you know, they're just, there's no inhibitions. They say what's on their mind. And uh, actually, that's one of the things I love about the Psalms of lament. It's one of the things they taught me. And, and so this morning, this is really cool. Okay, we're going to look at Psalm 22. And if you remember, I just, what I've been wanting to do over the last couple weeks is introduce you to some genres of Psalms. And I'm hoping that by doing so, you'll begin to read them and you'll begin to incorporate them 
them into your heart and mind. And, and I'm hoping that through this, you've begun to, to make the Psalms a part of your daily reading, uh, both the prayers and the praise. I'll say they're one of the things we, the subtitle of the series has been the, the prayers and songs of life, okay? Because that's what they are. And one of the things really, really cool about Psalm 22 here is I think you're going to recognize this one right out of the chute. Many of you will anyway. Psalm 22 one says, my God, my God. Now, my, I, I like the NLT. Your older version say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How many of y'all have heard that, right? Where have you heard that? Jesus quoted that, right? When he was on the cross, when he was dying, he, he cried out. He was quoting from his hymnal. That's what he was doing. He was quoting from his songbook. And, and we're going to bring this full circle here in a moment this morning. But he cries out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why, why are you so far from me when I groan for help? This is the prayer of Jesus. Every day I call to you, my God, but you don't answer me. Every night you... You hear my voice, but I find no relief. One of the things I love about the Psalms of Lament, and, and they're all throughout the songbook, okay, where people are feeling abandoned and they're griping a little bit to God. One of the things I love about them is that you can, it taught me that you can talk to God in all honesty. I want you to hear that again. You can talk to God in all honesty. I always love when someone addresses me and they say, hey, pastor, to tell you the truth, Right? Or pastor, in all honesty, to which I'm like, so the other times you weren't honest or you, know, you, weren't, you weren't telling the truth. But, but one of the things I love about these Psalms is they remind me that you can be blatantly honest with God. By the way, if it's in your, if it's in your mind and it's in your heart, guess what? He already knows it, all right? And I think he welcomes our prayers no matter what they are. Jesus here is quoting Psalm 22. In fact, let me, let me give you a, a, the Sean Brown version of Psalm 22. Ready? As I was thinking about what this Psalm really is saying, here's what I wrote down. God, I'm praying to you and you're not answering me. You ever done that? God, I, it's Christmas season. Everyone else seems filled with joy and I ain't feeling none of it. Where's my joy, God. I mean, it's like every day I'm calling out to you and nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. In fact, quite honestly, God, I feel underwhelmed by your, lack, by your presence. Where are you? It's kind of my interpretation of Psalm 22. One of the things I learned from this is it's, it's absolutely okay to pray that kind of prayer. In fact, one of the things I, I learned from the Psalms of Lament is that I, I believe it's okay to do what I call griping up. All right. If, if, go, if talking this way is vertical and talking this way is talking to other people, okay, it's okay in many instances, in fact, almost in all instances, to go this way but not this way, right? In fact, if you want to gripe about another person this way, what's that called? Anybody know? It's called gossip. But you guess what? You can do it this way. All right. You can go vertical with it. If you have a stinky attitude and you feel abandoned and you come home and you just, you're just vomiting junk all over everybody, what's that called if you go this way? Complaining, right? But you can go this way. That's what the psalmist here did in Psalm 22. Did you know that you can even go this way about your pastor? Did you know that? And I love that. Like if you're, if you, you know, maybe you're here this morning, like my pastor's a knucklehead, all right? Somebody really is like, yeah, that's what I was thinking when I walked in. My pastor's a knucklehead. 
and he doesn't know what he's doing, you can go this way with it. And you know why I love that? I love that because my thinking is this. He's going to do one of two things. He's either going to change you or he's going to change me, and I'll take either one. Okay? Does that make sense? In fact, by the way, how many of y'all know this prayer? I bet a lot of you will. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. How many of y'all know that prayer? Right? A lot of you, and you probably, a lot of times, feeling abandoned, feeling rough, and I'm going to cast my cares on God. Do you know what the context of that verse is? The context of that verse is in submission to spiritual leadership. Did you know that? Check this out. First Peter chapter one, verse five. In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of your elders. He's talking about spiritual leadership, right? And all of you should serve each other in humility for God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God because he cares for you. You know what he's talking about? You can gripe up. All right. And so that's one of the things that the Psalms of lament, I used to think, man, I can't, you know, like those kids are like, I, I can't pray that. Yes, you can. Okay. It's okay to lament or to pray or to gripe or to complain, to go up to God with it because he does care for you and he cares for things that are trouble in your heart. Here's the second thing that I learned from the Psalms of Lament, all right? It's, it's okay to recognize the, the power of evil or that the power of evil is strong, okay? Now we have a bigger hope than the power of evil and we're gonna bring this full circle here this morning, okay? But it's okay to recognize that the power of evil is strong. It's okay to understand that we live in a broken reality right now. Now the kingdom of Christ is coming back to restore it all. We, are, we have the hope that upon the return of Christ, what has begun, the beginning of redeeming or buying back or the restoration of all good things as God originally intended, that has begun, but it will find its fulfillment in the return of Christ. But in the meantime, it is okay to say, my God, my God, man, I feel forsaken. I, you feel distant from me. It's, it's broken down here. It's, it, you know, even on my best day, I get the sense that this thing is a little bit off kilter because it is, and it's okay to acknowledge that. And in fact, it's interesting to me that Christ prayed this psalm because he was bearing the weight of the, of the sin of the world upon his shoulders. All your sin, all the justice that it deserved in the presence of a holy God, all the shame of your sin was on the weight of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about that for a minute. Think about bearing the weight of the sin of the world and it's shame. You know the thing in your life, in your story that you really don't want anyone else to know about? Like you've never really told that story because if people knew that story, that would be shameful. Like Jesus bore that for everyone in this room. And Jesus bore the punishment that sin deserved and the injustice, he, the, the wrath of God poured out on injustice. Jesus bore that on the cross. So if there was anyone that could call out, my God, my God why are you saying me? It was because God the Father was pouring out his holy wrath on sin. And Jesus knows what it feels like to be completely abandoned and without hope. By the way, you know know what got you out of bed this morning? You know what got you out of bed? I know some of you are thinking, oh, I was so excited to hear Pastor Sean's sermon, but that really is not what got you out of bed this morning. Actually, what really got you out of bed this morning is hope, right? Like, I have some hope in something. 
I don't know what it is, and hopefully it's an eternal hope and it's a lasting hope, but, but Jesus knows what it's like to, to be abandoned by God and for a, a, a moment in time to be hopeless and to be without joy and to, and, to, and to bear the weight of evil unrestrained and have the punishment of God and evil and injustice on his shoulders. Jesus knew real abandonment. 2 Corinthians 5, Apostle Paul writes this about Jesus. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. How many of y'all hear a song that we sing pretty frequently around here, right? We sing that gospel message song all the time to remind us that Jesus Christ knows what it's like to be abandoned. And by the way, there's some great insight here on when you feel discouraged about how to overcome discouragement. It's in the next couple of verses. I love these next couple of verses because the psalmist begins to preach to himself how to overcome discouragement. He says, verse three, he says, yet you're holy, God, you're enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors, they trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. Let me give you a couple things you can pull out here about helping to preach the gospel to your heart and soul when you're battling with discouragement. Number one, the psalmist here rests in the character of God. He says, God, you're holy. You're set apart. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is good this morning. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is sovereign, whatever you're going through, that God is using that difficult time for his glory. He's in control. Maybe you need to be reminded that he, he is just and he will make sure that evil gets its fair due at some point in the future. The second thing you can pull out of here is the importance of praising God, choosing to praise God with your lips. And one of the things that's such a thrill to me as your pastor is as I look out and week in and week out and I, I preach to so many of you that have been here for so many years and I know many of your backstory, right? I, I know how difficult your past was. I, I know the, the upbringing that you overcame to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I know the, the challenges you faced in marriage and yet as a family you gather here and you worship him. I know some of you are racked in pain with all kinds of problems physically and how difficult it is, especially on a rainy, cold morning to get up and gather corporately with God's people and sing praises. And when I see you out there, when I'm preaching, man, my heart just beats with joy because I'm like, wow, these people gather even in the face of brokenness and evil, they choose to gather and praise God. It's one of the ways we overcome evil. It's one of the ways we overcome discouragement. I thank you if that's your story and you got yourself here. You see, you know what? I, even in the face of it doesn't all make sense, I'm gonna choose to praise God. The third thing that the psalmist does, the psalmist reminds us how we overcome discouragement is remember God's past faithfulness. To remember God's past faithfulness. You know, like the old song, count your blessings, name them one by one, right? And if you start doing that, suddenly you're like, oh, wow, you know, what? oh, yeah. Last week I was teaching our uh, We Are Coastal class, and, and a lot of you guys have been here a long time probably, and you know, maybe it's been a while since you went through our We Are Coastal class, but that's kind of an introductory class to folks that are investigating coastal. We say, hey, if you want to learn more about coastal, come to this class. And, and so I was, one of the things I do in that class is I recount the history of coastal, Right, and how we got to kind of where we are today. And, and um, I've been doing that for years, but what struck me last week is I'm recounting these 
stories that many of us know that, that for someone that's new coming in, they're going, wow, their faces were just lit up going, what? God did that? God did that? And for me, it took me back for a minute. Like, what? yeah, you know what? You know, sometimes if you're involved, and for those of you who are key leaders here at Coastal Community Church, right? And you're, you're kind of knee deep in leading ministries and that means you're leading people and people are difficult and, you know, the challenges you face in leading something and, and you forget the history of Coastal and how when you step back and you go, wow, even in the, in the midst of being knee deep in people, God is still working, Right? And so here, let me give, it, give you a nutshell, ready? This is what I generally say, it's in a nutshell, but usually I say, hey, Coastal Community Church started by two churches merging together to form one church. And here's my little add-on. I say, and here's what's really cool, when the memberships of those two churches voted to dissolve those church entities and merge into one, both churches voted unanimous. That's a miracle, okay? If you've ever been around church life, right? Somebody's like, yeah, that is a miracle, right? And then we started and we formed and we were over and we were meeting and we were a temporary site over at uh, Grafton High School Middle School, set up and tear down every week. And we began to pray for property. We felt like God wanted us to build a physical location, not a church, but a location where we could launch and do ministry in the community. We started praying for property. It was about 2003 to 2005, right? Anybody remember what was happening with the property values, 2003 to 2005? Remember? They were doubling in value, right? And commercial real estate was going through the roof. And I'm like, God, we are never, ever going to find a piece of property that we can, if this little church meeting in Grand High School, going to be able to afford, right? And I remember I was in a board meeting and this piece of property that you're sitting on came tabled on the board meeting. And we talked about how there were six acres with Route 17 access for $250,000. That doesn't impress y'all, does it? It was incredible. And I remember sitting there going like, I told the board, I said, y'all have two weeks to decide if this God wants us to have it. And then I'm going to buy it personally. Okay. So I gave them two weeks to decide if God was moving, you know? And so, and we did, and God gave us his property, right? And so then we got the property paid off and then we prayed as a church. We decided it was time to build a building, right? And so Pastor Sean gets his little suit and tie on and he starts knocking on the banks of doors to get a loan so we could build the building. And church, this was about like 2007, 2008, you know? And I always say this, if Pastor Sean's in a suit, okay, he's either marrying you, he's burying you, or he's trying to borrow $2 million, okay? So if I come to your house with a suit on, you need to worry. There's a marriage you didn't know about. I'm the grim reaper. I need money, okay? So one of those three things. And so I'm not, anybody remember what was going on in 2007, 2008? Right, there was trillions of dollars of American wealth being wiped out in a day, right? And I'm knocking on bank stores going, there's no chance I'm getting a loan for this little startup church meeting in a school, and Old Point Bank was like, yeah, we believe in what you're doing, you know, and, and God ultimately brought that our way, all right? And then, and then we start, we break ground in like 08, 09, that kind of time frame, right? And the, for those of you in the construction industry, okay, you know, like that was probably the most difficult season in construction industry, but here was the amazing thing. You couldn't have hand-selected a time to build cheaper. Couldn't hand-selected a time. Our banker all the time goes, I have churches trying to meet with me all the time, trying to build your square footage, and they can never do it at the price y'all did it at, okay? I tell you, and, and, and as I'm telling this story, the people are going like, whoa, whoa. And it took, just took me back. Like, I forget when I'm knee deep in the, in the navigating ministry how God's hand has continued to be with Coastal Community Church, all right? 
Now I tell you that when you're battling discouragement, step back in your own life and look at some of the spiritual big rocks that went on. See, the leader, the psalmist here is David, and he's reminded of the history of Israel, like the Red Sea and the judges and all these you know, amazing stories, David and Goliath, and on and on it goes, and it reminded, God's hand has been with us all along, and he's not gonna let us down now. And man, it's a huge comfort to overcoming discouragement. How many of y'all have ever sat down with an investment person and they lay out the portfolio and how well that money has done over the last 10 years and that portfolio always ends with this. Past performance does not guarantee future what? Results. Some of you, you guys aren't big, big in investing, are you? Okay, so they always sit down and say, past performance does not guarantee future results. That's like, well, that's nice. I'm about to give you my money and you're telling me you're not sure you can do with it what you just did, right? It's quite the opposite with God though. When you, when you bring in his promises coupled with his character, there's no doubt about it. It's past performance guarantees f- fulfillment of future promises. Isn't that good stuff? That helps us overcome discouragement. Even we lament for a moment, but we remember that in the midst of discouragement, God is still sovereign and he's working things out to proclaim his glory in all the earth, which finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ which is our great hope, this is point number three. Our great hope of the psalm of lament is the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. That's why I have no problem preaching this sermon right around Christmas time. See, the reason Christmas time swells our hearts with joy and gets us excited is because it's the invasion of God in fulfilling all his promises that will be fulfilled in his second coming. And so the next nine verses, the psalmist uh, from 22 all the way to 31, he kind of unpacks all the hope he has in God that will ultimately be fulfilled in his son, Jesus Christ. And so church, we have hope because God says, if you're here this morning and you're needy, God's gonna take care of the needy. By the way, I'm needy. Ask my wife, okay? I'm just a needy person. Gives me great hope. God takes care of the needy. Psalm 22, 24 says, for he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He's not turned his back on them, but he's listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I'll fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The psalmist goes on to say the whole earth is going to worship God. God hasn't forgotten the promise that everybody's going to be a worshiper of him. Psalm 22, 27 says the whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. Goes on to say even future generations will declare the promises of God. By the way, parents, those of you who have sat here and you've invested in your kids and they've wandered from the faith, we do have a hope that those seeds of truth have taken root in the hearts of our kids. And God is still doing something. Psalm twenty-two thirty says, our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. All of these things will find their fulfillment in Christ. One of my favorite pastors and preachers, John Piper said this. He said, Christmas is the dawn of death's destruction. I love that. I want you to hear that again. Christmas is the dawn of death's destruction. All evil, the destruction of evil is dawning on Christmas morning and it will find its fulfillment in the return of Christ. Now I wanna take these promises of 
Psalm chapter 22, and I want to run to the New Testament quickly. I want you to see a couple of verses about the whole earth declaring the glory of God. Look at this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. I have given you, this is Jesus talking. He says, I've given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all, I com- all the commands I've given you. All right, I want you to hear the back end of this verse. This is so important. And be sure of this. I am always, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, here's the deal. When I just gave you the faithfulness of God in this church, as long as our heartbeat is to make sure the name and fame of Jesus Christ is lifted up here in this peninsula and globally, he will pour out his blessings on that group of people. Jesus said, I'm with that group of people, even to the end of the age. Does that make sense? Check out this promise. Even the earth itself will worship God. Remember that from Psalm 22? Here's what Romans 8 says. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all of creation has been subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join with God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. But we believers, we also groan. By the way, remember we talked about this last week in Psalm 23. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're still gonna go through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because we're in the middle of the now and the not yet of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is just a deposit of the things that are coming. That's what this says. For we know that all creation has been groaning with the pains of childbirth right at the present time, and we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, it's just a foretaste of the future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And uh, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including new bodies he has promised in us. It finds its fulfillment in the second coming of Jesus Christ. I can't wait, okay? I hope I'm whetting your appetite this morning. The Christmas story reminds us that one day all people will be worshipers of God. Look at this, Luke chapter two, verse 10. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will be great joy to who, church? All people. All people is the Christmas story. And finally, we get a little glimpse into into future revelation, the glory when one day we'll be with God forever and ever and ever. And in Revelation chapter five, verse nine, it says, and they, meaning all these believers, there's, you know, you kind of get the throne room of God and there's angels and there's believers and there's saints and saints of the past. And it's just this incredible scene. It says, and they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll, break its seals and open it for you were slaughtered and your blood ransomed people for God from every what? Tribe, every language, every people and every nation and you've caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on the earth church the hope of Christmas is going to be fulfilled in the second coming of Jesus Christ there's a reason that Jesus as he hung on the cross quoted from Psalm 22 he knew the back end he knew the last nine verses he knew how it was going to be fulfilled in him and the people that follow hard after him. And that's why I love Psalms of Laments. One, they remind me I can talk to God in all honesty. Two, they remind me life now is broken. And three, they always remind me it's the hope that is going to be fulfilled in the coming of Christ. And here's the really cool thing. In the in-between time, God somehow uses you and me to help fulfill that promise. Isn't that incredible? We get to be a part 
of making Jesus famous and helping to make sure these promises find the fulfillment when Christ finally returns. Good stuff, isn't it? I'm gonna tell you a story. I'm gonna close with prayer. I uh, read a story this week about a, a king of a small village or small town in deep in the heart of Africa. And uh, he became the king, and while he was growing up, he had, he had a best friend that he just kind of brought along all his life. And one day, you know, as, as he became the king, this best friend was real close part of him in the kingdom that he ruled over. His best friend was the eternal optimist. Everything, no matter what happened, his friend would say, man, this is good. This is, this is good. He used to say that all the time. Well, one day the king and his best friend, they went hunting and it was his best friend's job to prepare the guns when they went out hunting uh, deep in the heart of Africa. And so one day as they were hunting, uh, his friend misprepared one of the guns and it backfired and it blew the king's thumb off. And so he's bleeding and he's hurting, you know, and they're putting the tourniquet on, trying to get him healed up. And his friend looks at him and he goes, this is good, this is good. And the king was irate. He goes, this is not good. This is your fault. You know, and I've lost an appendage because of it. You know, and he took his best friend and he threw him in jail and he left him there. About a year went by and this king had forgotten all about his friend. And he once again went hunting and he, he got out deep, deep in the woods, deep in the, in the jungle. And he, and he got captured by another village that this village was cannibals people of cannibals. And so they grabbed him, they tied him to a stake and they were about to burn him for a big celebration when they noticed that his thumb was missing. Well, this, this village of cannibals, they, uh, they were very superstitious and they would never eat someone whose body wasn't whole. Okay. And so they let him go. And this king, as, they were he as he was heading back to his home, he was reminded of the story about how he had his thumb taken off and what his friend had said, this is good. So he goes to the jail finds his friend, he says he apologized, he tells him the story, he says, I apologize, and you know, it really was good, and, and, and man, I should have seen it that way, and, and I am so sorry that you've been here all year in jail. And the friend looks up and goes, no, no, this is good, this is good. And the king looks at him and says, how, po how can you possibly, I've left you in jail for a year, how could that be good? And his friend says, because if I wasn't here in jail, I would have been with you on that hunting expedition. So, <laughs> So, <clears throat> you know what? It's okay to pray to God in all honesty. As you read through your Psalms, you're going to find these Psalms of lament, and there's going to be times as you're reading them, you're like, is that in the Bible? Am I allowed to pray that? Right? But we have to be reminded that even in our difficulties and challenges and brokenness of life, that all things find their fulfillment in Christ, and this is good. That's why Romans 8, 28 says, and you guys know this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for what? Good. For those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning as a body of believers with hope. We thank you, God, that you are working your plan to perfection. We thank you for the ability to lament from time to time. We thank you for the ability to, to gripe up. Yet, God, we, we gripe up differently. We gripe up with hope. And we thank you for the Christmas season where we're reminded of your son, Jesus Christ, the, the, de the, the dawn of death's destruction. <laughs> and we long for your second coming, God. When you return... And you said all brokenness are right. And life will be lived as you originally intended it. And we 
gather as a people of hope this morning, knowing that you work all things together for good, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, church, this is our offering time. Before we take our offering, I want to bring a little, I want to give, I want to bring an opportunity to your attention, okay? Uh, many of you, how many of y'all have, are, have served in Coastal's food ministry? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high so I know. Okay, good. A couple, about a third of you, maybe. All right. Uh, this past uh, August, um, and so, you know, our food ministry takes place the third Saturday of every month. Uh, it's headed up by Paul and Courtney Schaefer, and they're in the back in the blue shirts. They're one of our greeters this morning. Uh, was birthed out of a small group ministry. Was birthed out of their heart of their small group. Um, and and uh, they feed about 500 people a month. Uh, and they distribute enough food to feed about 500 people on that third Saturday of the month, every month. We got a... Uh, uh, It'd be one of those letters you go, this is not good. Okay, we got one of those letters this year from the food bank where we get a large portion of our food that uh, the way we were storing the food did not meet their new specifications. And so uh, we were kind of scrambling. We either had to reach their specifications or we couldn't ha- get food from the food bank anymore. So I know they began to pray and some others, those of you who were all involved in that ministry, began to pray. And uh, so what we had to do was get the food, the way we store the food here on site, okay? Now for us to be able to do that, um, was going to cost about $40,000, okay? Now, we're going to steward your money well, and we're going to try to make sure how we do that pretty well, but it's going to be somewhere in that ballpark, okay? They, they gave a proposal to myself and the elder board, and it, it took about 10 seconds to go, yes, God is in this ministry. We've got to support this ministry. So we went back to them and said, yes, absolutely. We'll fund it. Uh, let's just make it happen. So they, they did a great job doing all the research. They presented their plans to York County. York County has given us the approval to build the storage that we need here on site, okay? So you're going to see some storage. Storage areas go up at the back end of our parking lot. Uh, a lot of the cost, honestly, is running the electricity that we need down there, and we're doing. We're going to run enough electricity so that if we ever expand back there, that will already be a part of the cost. Okay, so, um, so here's the opportunity. There's there's three ways that you can serve this ministry. Okay, number one. Um, you can always volunteer. They pay. They pack food on Friday night, uh, and and of course that probably will t- take a little less time going forward when the food's on site. But they pack food on Friday night, get it all ready, and then the community comes and receives food on Saturday. So you can volunteer in either of those two places. Okay, look at the back of your bulletin for a minute. Okay, at the bottom uh, is Paul's number. Okay, you can call him if you want to be involved in the ministry. Number two, if you want to be involved in getting the storage built, that's one of the ways we're hopeful. And we're still kind of fleshing that out. How we can use some volunteer help to get these, this storage build. If that interests you, you're handy, you can call Paul. He's going to be keeping a list of people to call uh, to, to, help, to help build that. The third way that you can be involved is you can donate to the Coastal Community Church Building Fund, okay, and re- help us raise the $40,000. We want to make that happen. And, and if you would like to be a part of that, okay, it's just an opportunity, we would welcome you to do that. Now, as far as donations go, okay, two things. Number one, I know a lot of times when these kind of needs arise, people go, well, I usually give to the general fund, but I'll just give to the building fund. That literally is robbing Peter to pay Paul, okay? So, so this is kind of an over and above, you know, if you feel like, hey, this Christmas, I love to give an offering to that or whatever, just in the memo line, put Coastal Community Church Building Fund, okay? If we raise more than $40,000, I just want to let you know that money will be in our building fund for any future endeavors. Does that make sense? Uh, so we hope to raise it all. Hope you guys are a part of that. Uh, but God's going to provide. I have no doubt about it, okay? Uh, it's a great ministry, and I want to thank all of you for being involved. I want to thank Paul and Courtney. They have, they have uh, borne the burden of this and prayed and watched God work and, and just done a great job, and, and God's continuing to move. Okay, so with that, during our offering time, 
uh, I want you to know that this is a way to worship God. That's why we do an offering at Coastal Community Church. And uh, during offering time, I'm going to show you a video. This is a great video. If you've never seen the food ministry, what it takes to pull it off, great video. Uh, Kelly, thank you for putting it together. And, uh, and so watch this. Y'all come.